American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of episode number two of the Bearded Bastards right here on American Hammers Radio. This is your host Tex, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the one that we all dream about at night, especially our boy Brian in the Fresno Irons. We know how he feels about you. Uh, shout out to Brian Fagundes. We love you. Always fun. But Liam, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm just I'm just fantastic. I, I'm lying. I'm not. I'm pissed. I'm actually pissed. I, I say I'm fantastic because, as always, I am fantastic. I mean, it's like a natural state of uh, unity for myself. But my mood today is absolutely pissed. Uh, so I'm glad that we've got the whiskey out because I'm pissed and I'm ready to get pissed. Um, let's be 100% honest. Um, West Ham United are not in the best run of form. Five <laughs> points from five games, which means we are going to do this. Yes, that is the sound of me opening a whiskey bottle right now. And as you know, this is only the second episode. We've started a tradition here yeah. on the Bearded Bastards. Um, we're going to drink whiskey because as we drink, we get funnier. The show gets better. You're more entertained. I slur my words. <laughs> and I sleep on Liam's couch at the end. So nice. that's pretty much the way this is going to go. Um, Liam, I'm just going to let you know right now. I grabbed a uh, whiskey from Stranahan's Distillery out of Colorado. This is their sherry cast finish nice. because I want to drink a lot tonight. And it's a little sweet <laughs> coming off the lips. So that's what I've chosen to bring to this shitty show that the bearded bastards will be having uh what are we uh what are, what are you pouring Ooh, so i actually went domestic uh this round i have knob creek this is a kentucky straight rye whiskey single barrel so uh this was a gift to me shout out to my buddy tim page uh who sent this to me during covid because he was housebound like the rest of us and decided you know what i'm gonna use well what was it it was one of those services that like delivers alcohol to your house, like drinkly or something like that. And uh, he was getting alcohol delivered and he decided why not send it, uh, a bottle to my buddy in California. So shout out to Tim page uh, for sending me the knob Creek. Well, it's, it's glad to hear that there are people that are still in your corner that want you to be a man. It's, it's happy to see <laughs> that you're drinking a rye whiskey. Um, as we know, between the two of us, I am the whiskey snob. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I do all the weird shit. So Liam, um, let's go ahead and grab our glasses here. A little bottoms up. Knob Creek and Stranahan's down the hatch. Um, let's see how it goes. So good when it hits your lips. Ooh, so good. Both of us got a little tickle in the throat there. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, the, this Stranahan's is pretty delightful. Now it's a part of the show where we're going to see what each other is drinking, the poison that is. So uh, Liam... Liam's got the uh, Stranahan Sherry Cast finish. I brought it on purpose. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm assuming you're really going to like this one. So I'll let you go first, and I will follow suit with your manly rye whiskey. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Exactly as you described. So light at the at the first hit and a little bit of fire trails at the uh, at the back end. So. Nice. I like it. Was, it was, that, good. was that a twinkle in your eye? Oh, I mean, I'm I already think, drunk. So I think you got taller. Did you just I'm get like, taller? Is, is that a, is that a hair growing on my chest? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. So here's a little Knob Creek rye courtesy of Tim Page via Liam Bright. I mean, it tastes like a rye whiskey. It's uh, <laughs> harsh up the front, smooth on the back end, always appreciative of the fact that uh, we're going to be able to drink our SARS away during the show. Yes. And well, I, will, I actually also will give a shout to Tim 
So he uh, has kind of always hated football, soccer. Uh, he didn't like it when he was a kid because he didn't like running, not that he didn't really like the sport. And recently got into it, and when he decided to select a team, was like, hey, why not West Ham? So he has uh, watched every single match without fail. Unfortunately, where he lives, there is no supporter group nearby. Uh, so he is his own supporter group, but uh, he has he has donned the claret and blue through and through. And that's what we do as West Ham fans. We bring people into our misery that is supporting West Ham United. And as you can tell, I'm a little on the negative side this evening. Uh, reason being, West Ham have accumulated, I believe, only five points yeah. in the past five games um, after winning a phenomenal match um, against Chelsea. They really didn't do anything with it. Um, even beating Liverpool, playing the top sides this year, we've been very good, but a loss to Wolves, a draw to Brighton, who we have not beaten since they've been promoted. Um, then you beat Chelsea, then you turn around and draw um, again. And then today you lose, and let's be honest, against Arsenal, it did not look good. The Burnley game, you know, I thought we were the better team. Yeah, most oh, in that day. second half for sure. You know, I, there was a penalty shout. I, I kind of ended, didn't think it was much of a penalty shout. I've obviously been getting a lot of shit from you <laughs> because you have explained to me on numerous occasions why it should have been a penalty. Um, and you're probably right. Between the two of us, you are the smarter fan. You're the better looking one. You are married. You do have two beautiful children. And let's be honest, I'm still uh, got my subscription to Pornhub. This is so, true. And I, I have a better taste in whiskey. So, I mean, it's just really all. <laughs> don't take that away from me. You're like, I have I have so very little. <laughs> don't take that away. So the And really, the only reason I give the nod to Dawson to get that penalty is when you look at the dubious other penalties that were granted in that same weekend, there's nothing that was done with Dawson with his legs kicked out from under him while he's going to try to collect a ball in the box, which by all letter of the law should have been a penalty. You can't look at that one and say, Oh, well he's not in control, but then look at uh, the uh, Lacazette penalty shout today where Sufal goes in on the tackle like, yeah, his leg ends up going up a little bit high, but he does reach the ball first and he doesn't go through the player to get to the ball. But Lacazette makes an absolute meal out of it. And with the rest of the Arsenal teammates all, you know, circling the the ref and barking in his face, he's got nothing to do other than to point to the spot. And then VAR says there wasn't enough to say it was a clear and obvious error. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's at the end of the day, even Moyes goes... Yeah, it's, it's a penalty and, you know, it is a red card. I disagree. And I don't know if Moyes is trying to like placate or play be devil's advocate. And he doesn't want to look like Klopp, you know, saying one week like, oh, we should have had the pen. And then the next week going, oh, we shouldn't have had the pen. They shouldn't have had the pen. And then it just looks bitter. But back your team, man. Like, I think that was more frustrating for me is now we're without another defender, you know, a, a, typically a starting defender. I mean, I know... uh Ben Johnson had kind of unseated Sufal for for several games there, but Sufal was the you know the the um, consistent starter for all of last year and at least the start of this year. So it just it it doesn't hit at the right point, especially because we need all hands on deck to really be able to collect those three points from Norwich. Yeah, you know West Ham have put themselves in a bad position as far as it comes to finishing in the top four. And I, I think it's all about the lens that you look through on this season. Like that's really what it comes down to. And for West Ham United, that Burnley match, we're the better team. 
You know, we're the better team. Um, this this is what I said. I said it in our group chat with the Fresno Irons, and I said it to you personally when we called and talked on the phone. These are the games you have to win if you want to be a top-four side, and West Ham United aren't winning them. And this is strangely reminiscent of the last year at the Bowl Inn. West Ham played the top sides very well and would lose games to Swansea and <laughs> lose games to Stoke City and – you know, not be able to put Leicester away when you have them beat. And, you know, there's just a lot of things. And again, I, I have to, as crazy as this sounds, I don't blame Moyes for this at all. And I think Moyes hit the nail on the head when he said that, you know, he's been tempering expectations all year. He said, oh, I don't know if we're ready to quite be a top four side. We beat Chelsea, and he came out and said, oh, I don't know, we got a lucky goal. He's been tempering expectations all year. So to me, David Moyes has been saying it all year. Us as supporters have been doing exactly, you know, in America we call them fans, right? And that's short for <laughs> fanatic. And so really West Ham United supporters have been looking at this through those claret blue lenses, which tend to make everything look better. I know that when I was dating a girl – and I looked at her at a West Ham match, she tended to look more attractive. So I understand all those things. But really, West Ham United, that Burnley game hurt. The Arsenal game was frustrating. And yeah, we I, I'm going to chalk it up to this. We have two defenders playing in that game where the reality for me is they're the second-tier guys for us. You know, Craig Dawson makes splash plays, but he is not a consistently good defender. Puts himself in bad positions, and he takes way too many risks. Diop is still figuring it out. He's all he's very cautious, um, which is fine. I would rather Dawson play cautious, and I would rather soak up pressure than give them any wide-open looks at the net. And then you have to play Arthur Masuaku, who has been very honest that he is not a defending player. He played right back for Olympiacos because they're the best team in the Greek league and then <laughs> nobody really attacks them. So he has always been a guy that tends to go forward more. He's more of a midfield winger type player. And we were forced to put him back there at one point in the game today, we had to put Mikhail Antonio back at right back. Mm -hmm. And so it's very frustrating right now what's happening at West Ham United. And I have to admit to you, the Arsenal game bothers me and it bothers me because I know we're better than them. I know we're better than Arsenal. Yeah. And Arsenal have stacked up some results this year, but they have not played the top sides well. They got they got everything they wanted against Liverpool and more. They have not fared well against United City or even Tottenham. And so really what ends up happening is West Ham United really have to figure it out. And if they want to be a top four side, and I, I firmly believe what I'm about to say, Liam, if we want to hang on to a guy like Declan Rice, we have to show more than we're showing. As Declan Rice, to me, was the best player on the pitch today for both sides. He was the best player running back and forth, doing everything that he needed to do. But really, when it comes down to it, West Ham United right now, they're reeling. Yeah, they great start, but they are reeling. And we are now officially out of the top four, and it's a very scary place to be. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you this question right now. Looking at the Burnley game, I would like to know your thoughts on that game and why we weren't able to pick up the win with or without the penalty shout. And then also let me know about Arsenal. Is it just me or did we really play that poorly in that game? So starting off with Burnley, I think the 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 main issue that we that we run into and I think what most teams have figured out is we don't typically have 
the creativity in the final third to break down a low block. Uh, you know, when you when you kind of look uh, at the at the match, or especially the way that I do, is I'll go back through and rewatch not just the highlights, but I'll rewatch the whole match, and I'll really look at where the opportunities were, and I'll kind of see where decision making was poor, where maybe a ball could have been played as like a through ball, or you know, or recognizing the person coming in on the overlap versus. Somebody like Ben Rama, who instead of trying to drive out to the wing, will try to cut inside to the top of the box and will take a shot that has a very low expected goal ratio, as opposed to trying to drive in. And then even when somebody does drive drive to the byline, you don't see the commitment in the box to try to crash in to give them options, which was something that we were really good at last year. And I don't know if it's a timidness of the of the attacking players that we have especially since majority of them are the exact same ones that we had last season so i don't know where that defeatist mentality is and i saw that in spades against arsenal in burnley i didn't see that in burnley i saw not so much a cockiness but definitely a confidence that we were like look we can take the game to burnley especially in that second half and there were a lot of chances that were that were made you know but let's be honest nick pope kept them in the match there was a ton of shots on goal that against a lesser keeper absolutely go in. But I think that that is, I think that's sort of indicative of the difference between our squad versus maybe some of the other ones. And yeah, we've, we've seen ourselves find success against Chelsea, against Liverpool, both the Manchester's in the, in the uh, cup matches. But a lot of that comes down to squads that don't tailor their game plan for us. Right, they still do their game plan, and then we just sort of hope that we can get a ball on the counter. When we play teams like Burnley, like Brighton, like Wolves, their game plan is built specifically to disrupt our game plan. They don't worry about trying to play to their strengths so much as trying to play to our weaknesses and trying to disrupt our strengths. I think with Arsenal, I think Arteta actually did what some of the lower clubs do, and he actually tried to play to defeat what we typically find success with. Like if you notice their, their center backs played where they're going to team up on Mikel Antonio 30, 40, 50 yards from goal, because they know one, he's great at a, a sprint, but he's not good at a long run. So if they can disrupt him further from goal, he's not going to have the energy levels to carry himself past somebody all the way up into the box to try to get a shot away. And anytime Mikel shoots outside the box, it's, it ends up in row Z. So I think that, that was where I think we struggled kind of in both matches, but we also knew the the lethal nature of, of Arsenal versus what we were going to get with Burnley, right? Once you once you can cancel out Chris Woods, but and, and credit where credit's due, Dawson and Diop did a fantastic job of shutting him down to the point that he got subbed off in like the 55 or 60th minute because they realized that, what's that other dude's name, Rodriguez? Was their better option. Chris Woods was getting no nothing. He was getting no service. He was getting no looks on the ball. I think that Arsenal kind of looked at that as well and were like, okay, well, if we can disrupt Mikel Antonio, Bowen's physicality isn't enough to be able to carry him through. And we saw that even when he was in the box and it looked like the ball was going to take a lucky bounce so you could get a shot away in the Arsenal game today. And it just didn't happen. I just don't think we had as much luck on our side as, as maybe we had had earlier in the season. And I think with these matches coming fast and furious, the Europa League matches, the cup matches, the lack of squad depth. And I know that's not an excuse because every squad is dealing with injuries. I mean, fuck's sake, look what happened to Leeds. 
They got decimated by Manchester City the other day, 7-0. But it's not about just your starting lineup. Your bench needs to be able to come on and step up. Look at that kid that scored the first goal, right? He only got that opportunity because Aubameyang uh, was pulled from the squad for being late or whatever the stupid reason was. But this kid took his chance. I just don't see our players doing that. They're just not taking that chance when the opportunity is presented to them. You know, I... I hear what you're saying, and I know you're definitely the smarter football mind between the two of us, and I'm not. But I look at the situation a lot differently, and I firmly believe what I'm about to tell you. I think the issues in this team are come down to strict to injuries. I think Agbana's calming influence and his ability to keep everybody calm, Zuma's prowess back there and his physicality of what he can do, not having those two guys there. You can go down one of them and bring in a Dawson or – a Diop and still be okay, but not both. And both of them are when your top two center backs are down, like the distribution of the ball out of the back is, is very frustrating. Um, Masuaku's wants to go forward so bad. He seems to be out of position way more than he should be. He's not a defensive minded player and people that shit on Masuaku. This is what I always say when he's played out of position, that's really on the manager at that point. And look, for the most part, David Moyes has pressed all the right buttons for the last year and a half. He has. And I'm not going to take anything away from it. And I don't think this is any reason to shit on him. But the reality is, if David Moyes is playing that guy at right back, that is telling the board, we don't have the guys we need because you're making me put a guy that I view as an attacker back into a right back situation. Mikel Antonio had to go into the back line today. Yep. And that's frustrating, especially when you're down a man and you're trying to go. And I don't care what anybody says. That is our best attacking player. He draws more attention. Um, you know, our best player right now might be Jared Bowen in the attacking sense. But Mikel Antonio's the engine. He's what yeah. makes everything go. That's the goal threat. Yeah. And so I think the defense is a massive issue right now. And I think. I mean, let's be real, Liam. There has to be some real conversations going on in the back back staff room with David Moyes and his coaches about the possibility of maybe bringing in one of the young guys and putting him on the bench, maybe even starting a young guy against Norwich to see what you have. Because Dawson and Diop, they look really good in the Europa League, but let's be honest, the Europa League is nowhere near what the Premier League is. It might even be two steps down. Yeah. You know, it might be. The Europa League may not be as difficult as the English championship. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm being yeah, real. Like, yeah. I, I am very happy to be there. I'm not shitting on it, but I said this last episode. I don't care um, what we do. I value the Europa League because there's a path into the Champions League, which is where I want West Ham United to end up this year. And two weeks ago, I, as far as last week, I felt that West Ham United were going to do it. Now, I have some serious doubts, and my doubts start on that back line. Right. So, I, I, I mean, as you, the person that knows the game better than I do, I have to ask you this question because as a as a fan, that I, I'm, I'm not an ignorant fan. I know the game, but I don't know the game like you do. So You haven't spent as many hours playing FIFA as I have. No, I've probably <laughs> spent more, but I, I, I dropped the difficulty level down so I can dominate. Right. But really, like, my question is always going to be this. Am I crazy or is the issues West Ham United are having right now 
start in the back line. And they start back there because of the inability to distribute the ball properly to get an attack going. And then number two, Dawson, as many things as he's done well for us, and he has, he's done some phenomenal stuff. He has been phenomenal in Seth pieces. He's been a phenomenal locker room guy. He takes far too many chances and he is careless and he's going to get us into a situation where like today he stabbed at a ball so late. If it would have been in the box, it would have been a pin. Yeah. And it was incredible. Like it was just, I, I watched it. And I was like, dude, that is stupid. You are a premier league defender. Like that is a rookie move and you've been playing in the league 10 years. I think it's it's difficult to to say if there's any one specific thing. I think it's sort of that comedy of errors, right? You've got a lot of things that are influencing the squad. I I would say to our to our benefit that we still have good camaraderie, right? There I think there is still a good spirit in the team, but you are starting to see frustrations boil over uh on the pitch. And I I I noticed it when uh maybe it was the first goal uh, Sufal turns around and Suchek gives him a look like, you know, puts his arms out like, what the heck was that? And Sufal kind of looks at him and was like, what did you want me to do? You know, and I, I think that there is, I think there is this degree of finger pointing maybe that's happening on the pitch. And I think that that's disrupting the flow that we saw early on in the season. I agree that definitely not having our first choice players at that back line uh, impacts the the way that we play. I would say not having Ogbana and not having uh, uh, Zuma definitely play a large part. I would actually say not having Cresswell plays a larger part because what Cresswell gives us that we do not get from Masawaku is not just the defensive mindedness of it, but also the delivery in the box. Because let's be honest, Masawaku doesn't know if he's shooting or putting a cross in at this point. So we we can't look at him as like an accurate uh, set piece taker. Whereas for Cresswell, we can, whether it's corner pick kicks, whether it's set pieces, he's always a threat. And the other team knows that. And I think that's something that we're drastically missing on that left-hand side. I think with, with Sufal, I think that he's, he still does well on that right-hand side. I actually think he was better last season, uh, in terms of how quick he was to get to the byline, to put the ball into the box. And I think you saw, you know, Antonio really eat, you know, so much at the table when, when Sufal was on that, that right-hand side, putting the ball in the box and he's way better at it than Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, I think maybe gives it a little bit more pace and he's more inclined to shoot as we've actually seen him score a goal. Whereas Sufal has still been goal empty. Um, but I think you also defend from the front and I, that's a tactic that a lot of, a lot of premier league uh, coaches managers uh, uh, subscribe to is that if you can maintain possession or if you can keep the other team on their back foot because they know the the aggressiveness or the goal threat that you have at that front line, which we had at the beginning of the season, I think that's where um, I think that's where a lot of the difficulty that we've run into now is that we do not have the Ben Rama that we had earlier this season. If anything, now you bring Ben Rama on and within 30 seconds, he's given the ball away. And now, you know, we've got a counterattack and a goal being scored against us when we're already a man down and we've been putting pressure on Arsenal the last 15 minutes and it looked like a goal was about to happen. I remember sitting there in my car watching this on my phone going, I know we've got a goal in us. We're going to do this. I know we're going to equalize. And then Ben Rama comes on and lo and behold, now we're down 2-0. So there, 
I think with that, I think with Mikel Antonio having to drop too deep and having to try to deal with the pressure of two defensive players on him at all times, and there's not enough overlapping happening between Bowen, Lanzini, or Fornals, or even Declan Rice to try to take some of that pressure off where the center backs know, hey, we have to split up because we do have to try to cover more players bombing into the box. It's just not happening. There's one player going into the box, maybe two, and it's just not enough. We need more players pushing into that final third to give those wingers option as they put the ball in. You know, I I, I know you're right, but it's just, it's frustrating because West Ham United, I mean, they had it all in front of them, Liam. Like they controlled their own destiny. And I think any, if you tell any Premier League side, you control your own destiny, that's what you want. You want that ability. And it's not like we beat Liverpool when they were down some guys. It's not like we beat Chelsea when they were down a bunch of guys. You know, they had, you know, Lukaku was a little banged up, but he came on and he played in that game and we still found a way to get a win. You know, we beat Tottenham, you know, where, where, a moment away from getting an equalization goal against Manchester United. So these are the best, most prolific teams in the prem. And we're beating these guys. Arsenal's not in their class right now. (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. Maybe because we struggle with the lower sides, Arsenal's now our lower side. Maybe that's what the issue is. But I was just so frustrated with the way we played in this game. And, you know, and look at in your notes before we went to the, the podcast. I'm going I'm to give you a moment here because I, I want to discuss this player because I think I may have a different take than you do. But Mikel Antonio right now, you know, I think there's some people that could look at him and say there's some issues going on there. So what are your thoughts on the play of Mikel Antonio right now? I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely disappointed. Uh, I'm, I'm not to the point where I'm – I've seen a lot of uh, chatter on Twitter – talking about dropping him like, Oh, we need to drop Antonio. We need to put Bowen up top. Uh, you know, he's, he's not, he hasn't earned his starting position. He's only getting that spot because there's just no competition. Um, I've heard rumors where, uh, because he's coming up on a contract negotiation, uh, that he values himself higher than what the club values him and that he's asking for a longer extension. He's asking for more money. Um, which to some degree I get, right? Uh, since our Premier League history, he's the highest goal scorer, having dethroned Paulo Di Canio earlier this season. You know, there, there's definitely some reasoning behind it. I get it. I think he had a wonderful start to the beginning of this season. And I think even last season, he he was fantastic. I mean, being able to do what he's done and be able to make goals out of what always felt like nothing, That that's the quintessential... Mikael Antonio, he's not a out and out striker like we've seen in 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 the past, right? He's not an Andy Carroll. Um, he's not even a Chicharito, right? I was watching a smash cut of all of Chicharito's goals for us when he was in a West Ham kit, and I mean he was a fox in the box. He was that dude that was the, the a poacher's goal. And some people have have you know thrown the the term tap in merchant for Mikael, and I'm I'm like I don't think that's it. It's not like there's just a loose ball you know, that's coming across and he happens. Sometimes that's what, what happens. But remember what last season when he had that overhead kick and he's literally has a, a, def- a center back all over him and he still is able to push against him and get his foot up to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. Like he was a workhorse. That's what Mikhail Antonio brings to the table. And honestly, all strikers go through a goal drought. Look at freaking Harry Kane, right? He was, he's one of the, the, the most prolific goal scorers in, in English Premier League history. 
but he's had a terrible drought so far this season. There's there's wax and wanes, right? There's there's flow and ebb to every single player. And yeah, you want them firing on all four, four cylinders at all times, but are you always on point every day when you go to work or do you have an off day at work? Absolutely every day. We fucking all do. Like it's <laughs> it's impossible for us to expect everybody to operate at the same level 100% every day regardless of how much they're getting paid. I get that this is hundreds of millions of pounds that these guys make, but they're still human. No amount of money is going to change the fact that you are still human. So, you know, and I'll, we'll get into this when we go to preview the Norwich match. Um, but I, I wanted to touch really quickly on um, Arsenal. What Arsenal has done differently from us so far this season is that they have lost to the big teams, but they have beaten the lower teams. And we have struggled with the lower teams, but beaten the big teams. And it's all well and great to beat the top, you know, the, the top four, the top six, what have you. That's 12 matches out of a 38-match season. I'd almost rather lose those 12 and win the other 26, right? Because that's what's going to keep you in that top four, that top six, that, let's be honest, we need if we're going to keep players like Declan Rice and Jared Bowen. I arguably are two best players. If we want to still have them next season, we have to finish in that top six. At, at the bare minimum, top four is preference. You know, my thing with Mikel Antonio, and I, I respectfully disagree, I, I think the problem with Mikel right now is he's pressing. And we've seen this in the past. When West Ham are struggling, Mikel tries to put on a Superman cape. And he tries to do more than he's asked to do, and he gets himself out of position. Um, he tries to take take people on when, you know, and then you, you get that mentality, I've got to go do this, I've got to go do this, and you forget you're a part of an 11-man team. And that, that's what I'm starting to see right now is a, a lot, especially in that attacking force. And I, I would really like it to get back to the attacking force we had. I want Antonio up top. I want Fornells. I want Benarama. And I want Bowen. I want our OG4 back out there. And the reason why, and, and I hate saying this, is, you know, Lanzini didn't offer much today. And, you know, yeah, he earned a couple of starts and he started again today. And I, I liked the way he played, but... He didn't offer much. And Benarama, to me, is not the kind of guy that's good at coming off the bench. He, he's really never done well there. He's always been better when he's a starter. And I think, again, he came on the pitch, tried to do more than he was asked to do, took on one extra player, had the ball poked away from him, and what do they do? They go down and score the goal that ends up ending the game. So I, I look at this team right now, they need to batten down the hatches and get back to basics and be who they are and realize that, they are one of the top four sides in the prim. I, I don't. I think they're fourth, but I, I have a really good buddy in town that's a Manchester United fan, and we talk shit all the time. <laughs> okay? Um, and when West Ham beat Chelsea, he was like, y'all aren't going to finish top four. He kept saying, I was like, what are you talking about? We just beat Chelsea. We just beat Liverpool. We beat Tottenham. And I said, and if it wasn't for our player scoring a goal against us for you guys, we would have beat you, referring to Jesse <laughs> Lingard. And... You know, I, I look and I'm just like, man, dude, like he's bright right now. I can't say anything. He sent me emoji after the game today that was just a clown face. Mm. And you know that's frustrating. And and look, we, we have good banter and good fun all the time. Um, because I would just send him pictures of Oligana Sosard when with his confused ass face all the time <laughs> until he goes. But there man, it's just so infuriating because 
if West Ham take care of business against Wolves, they take care of business against Brighton, and they take care of business against Burnley, well, then the City match is okay that we lose it because you don't go into that one thing you want. And City are starting to roll. It looks like they're going to end up being the best team in the Prem. Um, then anything you get out of those top four sides is a positive. But you have to take care of your business against the lower sides, and we just have not done that. And it's just – it's very, very frustrating. And, you know, I, I, I do want to talk about this player before we move on from this, but I do want to say something. Saeed Benarama is going to get a lot of stick right now. He's going to get a lot of shit. And I've already seen a few things, but I'm sure there's a lot more on the Twitter sphere. But, man, can everybody remember for one second how good this guy is? Like, Saeed Benarama made a mistake today. We all know it. He was not the only one. I mean, I, I'm telling you right now, Craig Dawson put us in some very, very precarious situations tonight. And none of his cost us. Vladimir Sufal didn't get back well enough, got beat, got caught flat-footed on, a, on his heels, got beat around the edge. You know, there, you know, uh, Thomas Suchek committed some really stupid fouls deep in the Arsenal's territory when it looked like we were going to get on the front foot. So when you really look at it, like, yeah, Saeed's ended up costing us a goal, and everybody's going to point to that because it's the goal that kind of ended the chance for us to get back in the game. But, man, that kid came on. He's played so well all year, and all of our guys have played so well this year. That was, at the end of the day, if West Ham bounced back against Norwich and they start a run before January, they start getting on a run because we have the fixtures in front of us to do it to get on a run here, okay? If we're able to do that, okay, we had our bad spell in the season. Every team goes through it. Manchester United maybe have just ended theirs, and they're starting the roll. They've won two on the spin. So, you know, Man City struggled early. You know, Liverpool is kind of – and Chelsea are starting to go through that little – well, Liverpool went through that meteor period. They lost to us, and now they're starting to rise again. Now Chelsea are starting to fade or, like, float around. So every good team does this. But And I'm trying to be positive here, if you can't tell. <laughs> and I'm not good at being positive. But I, I'm trying to look at this situation and say, West Ham United have an opportunity to right this ship. And yes, you get Norwich at the right time, and their shit, go beat down this team. And that, I think, will help the situation tremendously. So... I do want to ask you this, because if you look at the state of the squad right now, okay, and we've been talking about it right now, it, we're not in good standing. Five points from five games is not good enough for what West Ham have been this year. So let me ask you this question. We know it's bad. Dr. Liam, okay, <laughs> what is your prescription to fix West Ham United? David Moyes has come to you, Liam. He's sitting in your living room. He's talking to you. He goes, I don't know what the fuck to do. What are What's the prescription from Dr. Liam to fix West Ham United's woes right now so that West Ham can right the ship and start that attack again on the top four? So for for me, because we're the, the transfer window is not open yet, so you can't look at reinforcements and say like, oh, reinforcements are going to change our dynamic or whatnot. But utilizing the players that we have right now injuries, you know, obviously included. And let's be honest, Cresswell is still touch and go. You know, he, he didn't feature in today's game at all. I don't even think he was on the bench. So, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's always going to be a little bit of a, of a, uh, an issue. I don't change the side. 
I mean, Sufal, you have to, right? Because he's on a he's on a red card. And unfortunately, it was two yellows, so we can't even appeal the 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 red. So it it, it is what it is, you know. Um, but I think it's you know it's you know there, there there's going to be some opportunities for some players. I think there's going to be some opportunities for guys like Ben Rama and uh, Antonio to try to right the ship for the Basels, try to make that impact that we haven't seen them make. And I think a team like Norwich is the perfect one to do that against. Because here's a team that, I mean, I can't for the life of me remember the last time we struggled with them. I want to say the last time we played Norwich, didn't we beat them like 3-0? Like it was a... It was a. Uh, I feel like we beat them four zero, and Antonio scored all four goals. But that, oh, is that's, that was, wait? That's was, the last one I remember of playing Norwich. That's how. That's how iconic those games. Have been. That's true because I, maybe I'm thinking of the Watford match. It was like one of the last games of the season, and Mark Noble literally waltzed through the entire midfield into the box and then scored a goal. So it might, that might have been Watford that I'm thinking of. But yeah, you're right. Norwich. The last time we played it was Michael Antonio scoring four goals, and it was just man on fire type goals. So I think this is the opportunity for him to kind of gain some of that mojo back, especially if he can get a goal, get a brace, get a, get a goddamn hat trick, right? This is the way that we, we pro- propel that, that, that front four. And I'm with you. I think Lanzini kind of went missing in the game today. So maybe you give Ben Rama that opportunity again. My fear is because of that bad giveaway, Moyes isn't going to have faith in him to start. So I think that Lanzini probably still gets the start. But even if it is, even if it is Fornals, Lanzini, Bowen, Antonio up top, this is the perfect opportunity to try to get those guys to 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 build that, rebuild that chemistry that they had early on. I mean, Lanzini didn't really have that, but this is an opportunity for all of them to theoretically get on the score sheet. And that's what they're going to need to propel us through the rest of this month. What about you? Where, where do you kind of sit for, you know... Uh, let's not call it an easy fix, but where you think the changes need to occur to, to gain some sort of momentum. Well, look, you're the PhD in this situation. So <laughs> we all know that. And so Dr. Liam has spoken. I'm a witch doctor. I got mine uh, in a Costco membership is how I got my PhD. <laughs> so I paid $19 and two French fries for it. Um, but really like, here's what I'm going to say as the witch doctor is now speaking text, the witch doctor, um, so if I'm putting my voodoo magic into the situation, I'm going to tell you what I do. If I'm David Moyes, I'm shaking it up and I am going to look at this squad and I'm going to say, you know, you're all better than this. Everybody's jobs on the line. Now you got to show me that you want to be on this because right now you're playing scared. And that's what I would call them out. Say you're playing scared. And I would show them clip after clip after clip of guys that aren't making the runs when they're supposed to guys that are not making the pass and then show them clips from the beginning season when they were making that pass, when they were making that run, even if it didn't work out. I just want to show them that was your mindset. You were in the attacking mode. To me, we've lost that edge. And that's what the situation is. So if I'm West Ham United and I'm sitting in the backroom staff with David Moyes, I'm looking straight up and I go, change it up. Put guys in there that are going to take that risk. To Put guys in there that are going to make that run, make that pass. I, I go to a back three in this next game. I change the whole formation. I probably make two or three changes, not a ton, but I send a message. You know, I send a message and that message is sent that we're going to get back to basics and we're going to try and go win this game against a team that we are clearly better than. There's, they're not even in the same class as us. They should be playing down in the championship already <laughs> and we need to beat them. So 
we all know the Premier League is a fickle bitch. We understand that. And we know that, you know, the mark of a champion is who can go to Stoke on a Thursday night in the rain and win. <laughs> so West Ham United are going to have to find a way to go to Norwich. Um, excuse me. We ha- we host Norwich. My, my fault. Nice. Um, they're going to have to find a way to host Norwich at the London Stadium, get that place rocking, get an early goal, put it on them, win, and walk off the field. And I, I want to see this. I don't even want to see celebration. I want to see that that fire in the eye of – and I want to see the, the those little claps to the fans that goes, let you know, like, hey, we're back, and we're going to show you something. So buy your ticket, get your popcorn ready, here we go. <laughs> and so that that is where I'm looking at West Ham United right now is this game against Norwich, Norwich coming up. I mean, look, they've been must the, – the Arsenal game was a must win. They're all must win right now if you want to fight into the top four. But really for West Ham United – we're in a position right now where, you know, that's what we're going to have to do. So that's, that's my prescription. I'm signing it. I'm sending it. I'm doing my chicken scratch so that the pharmacist can't fucking read what I wrote. But hopefully that West Ham can write the ship because just like anything, like as a former um, college football player, um, I didn't play, you know, we call it soccer. Sorry for all four of you United Kingdom listeners. Um, that prefer the term football, but I played American football here. And the one thing I know is at the beginning of every season, you, you, you wanted your team to play somebody shitty as a confidence boost. So we have that moment. Now. Yeah. We got to get yeah. our confidence back, get our swag back against Norwich. Not that you disrespect them, not you think, but you have to look at them in the reality, what they are. Don't let them hang around, get an early goal, get a second goal, put them away and go dominate that game and be able to walk away from the London stadium that day with a newfound focus, a newfound respect and a newfound swagger, which is what West Ham need to do. They need to go get that back. They're not playing like the West Ham. We saw at the beginning of the year, not playing like the West Ham that finished out the season last year. They're just not there right now. And like you said earlier, we all go through it. We all have lulls, but you got to get back on track. And if you want the top four, it starts on Saturday with Norwich and now we don't control our own destiny. So now we have to win and we have to get some help. But I'll tell you right now, we were the sixth best team in the Prem this year. I think we're better than that. Um, we were the sixth best last year. I think we're better than that this year. So obviously we know that the transfer window is not here. And you spoke to it earlier. But after today's performance, can we just agree on one thing, Liam? Can we just agree on one thing? <laughs> we need a de fucking defender. Yeah. Bad. And we need somebody that is confident and poised because as good as Craig Dawson can be, he can't be the main guy. No. And with him and DR back there, he's looked at as the main guy and he's not good enough to do that. He's not, he's not a good enough leader on that back line. Cause Lucas Fabianski, I've never seen him yell so much. Yeah. Like he was hot tonight and oh, man, it's just frustrating. But looking at these transfers, you're admitting we need a defender, so we know that. But we were exposed a little bit today. So bringing in Jesse Lingard and a defender, does that solve our problems of what we're having right now, or do we need more? I kind of, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to kind of look at, right? Because Jesse Lingard offers us multiple options, right? Whether he plays on the wing central defense or, you know, kind of up top is like a false nine. Uh, I think that that allows us to have an attacking threat that will also help free up Mikel Antonio 
by drawing defenders to him. Right. We saw that. We, I mean, we saw that in the, was it the Aston Villa game? That was like the first one that Jesse Lingard played for us where he got the brace because everybody knew Mikel Antonio was that threat. They left Jesse wide open and Jesse is that guy that will try to drive into the box. And that's ultimately what we need. We need not just a, a, another attacker, like in terms of a striker, but we need another attacking minded player. And actually what you had talked about earlier reminded me the, the big issue I saw with Mikel in the, the Arsenal match was he kept drifting out to the wings, whether it was the left or the right-hand side, to try to collect the ball. Or when he would get the ball, he would be forced to drive out to the wing instead of being able to stay central. I mean, yeah, it did allow like Bowen or Lanzini to kind of overlap and they would take that central position. But let's be honest, Mikel Antonio is far more lethal in the box than he is crossing the ball from outside. So we needed him in that central position. Jesse Lingard on the reverse side, if he drifts centrally, he is lethal inside the box. And that's what we need. We need somebody that if Mikhail is driven to the right, to the left, that they can occupy that central spot. And then if you've got Lanzini or Fornals or Ben Rama or Bowen to collect that second ball, right? If the cross goes into the box, defenders try to head it away or knock it away. We need somebody outside the 18 that then can collect it put a shot on frame or at least drive into the box to try to put the ball in the back of the net. So I would say, you know, kind of as we talked about on the last episode, Jesse Lingard for me is a must at this point. We need that. We definitely need a backup to Mikhail Antonio. Uh, if, if for no other reason, competition. He needs to know that somebody else is nipping at his heels because I don't think he feels that right now. Bowen is not an out-and-out striker the way that Antonio is, and he's not going to dethrone Antonio from that position because Bowen is always going to be more lethal on the wing. So I do think we need that. And I kind of stick to my guns in that we need a central defender. I'm kind of feeling like we need another wing back. Somebody that is not as much of a defensive liability as like an Arthur Masawaku, but not somebody that needs to solely sit in that back four. Like we need somebody that can still drive up on the wing, is pacey, can get back quick. If anything, we need a we need a Ryan Fredericks that's not injury prone. So we need somebody that can put the ball, put in a good cross, not afraid to shoot on frame, and is pacey as all hell. So that if they are caught too far up the pitch, we know they can track back and be able to continue to put pressure on that on the uh, the counter attack before they get the ball into the box. What about for you? Has anything changed in light of these last couple, these last two matches? I, I I don't think we need a wing back. I mean, I I'm not going to ever argue with bringing in reinforcements. The reason I don't think we need a wing back is because I look at what we have, and a, a, our best players are banged up. You know, Cresswell's out. Souffal spent some time on the injured list. You know, you have Ryan Fredericks, who's injury prone. Right. I if you brought in one, it would be a right back, and but it would be if you sit you know, Ryan Fredericks out. Cause I think the Ryan Fredericks experiment for West Ham United is virtually over now. You know, we brought him in from Fulham with a lot of promise. He showed some flashes, but it's never been consistent. He's too injured. It's kind of like an Andy Carroll situation, a player with a lot of talent, but we just haven't been able to get the best out of him because we can't keep him on the pitch. Um, I think Ben Johnson is a future starter every day for West Ham United. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't necessarily I, – I'll, I'll do it like this. Priority-wise, it's a center back first and foremost, and it has to be a guy 
that's going to come in and immediately start. And I hate it when we do that. I'm sick and tired of it, but it's needed now. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Lingard is 100% a must. A, a game like today, Jesse Lingard can make a big difference. You know, um, he put, he'll put he put a ton of pressure. Um, he would have been able to control the ball more. He would have made those runs. He just would have made everybody better around him. So not getting Jesse Lingard um, in the summer is really hurting us because if we have Jesse Lingard, we beat Man United. Yeah. Um, if we have Jesse Lingard, I think we beat, we definitely beat um, Burnley. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, we beat Wolves. We uh, beat Brighton. Well, at least we equalize against Wolves because that was a great goal from Wolves. But um, but I do feel like Brighton. but I feel like the Wolves goal was contingent on us not being aggressive enough in the attack. If you have a Jesse Lingard, you pin back Wolves. They don't push numbers forward, especially not playing through the midfield, if you have somebody like Jesse Lingard to kind of pin their ears back into the box. So I I kind of feel like, I mean, maybe we don't win the Chelsea match. Maybe we equalize at best, but I'd almost trade that. I mean, I love the bragging, bragging rights of beating Chelsea. Don't get me wrong. But I would almost trade that win to get wins at Wolves and Burnley and Brighton. Because I mean, we would be sitting in a very tight third right now. I mean, if anything, you'd be even with Chelsea on points at 36, or you'd be a point ahead of them at 37 if you're looking at like a nine-point difference. Or at least, it's, well, a six-point difference puts us at 34, so we'd be two points behind Chelsea. But we'd, we'd be... Within striking distance of the top spot. 100%. And you wouldn't have, you know all the, the Sky Sports and the BTs of the world all saying, oh, it's a three-team race for the title, they would be saying it's a four-team, you know, race. And we just, we, we're not even being looked at as, as that type of a threat. You're right. I mean, but let's just get, let's just get number 11 back through the door. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, we all know the rumors are out there. There's going to be competition for his signature if what we've heard from ex West Ham employee, yes, shout out to you. We all know we listen. Um, but if everything's true that is coming out of his camp, and obviously he's very coy and he's very secretive on what he says, he kind of says it in code. But it sounds like that's the the, the move the player wants. So we all know that Newcastle are going to come in. We know that, and we we've heard outside rumors Arsenal may make a push for him as well. But. Um, I think Arsenal's a no-go. I think Newcastle's interesting because of the amount of money they may offer. And Jesse Lingard, as much as he was a team player for us last year, he's notorious for being a, a, a me person. Yeah. But that's what you want out of a goal scorer. You want them to be that way. Um, so let Moyes do his thing in his bag of tricks. You know, maybe we bring in the two players and we get a player on loan that can really help us for a disgruntled player around the prem somewhere. Um, Brentford are starting to fade. You know, I, I have, I have a love affair with Ivan Tony. I would love to see that move happen. I don't think if that does happen, I don't think it happens in January. Um, but you know, th there's possibilities for West Ham, but I think, I think a central defender, um, I think Jesse Lingard and I could see another player coming in on loan. I could see that, but I, I think the lone player would be more of a mercenary type guy, a guy that's not playing somewhere right now that needs minutes and times, probably an older player, yeah. probably a guy that we're not going to have to, uh, you know, make any type of loan to buy situation, even if he catches fire while he's at West Ham United. So that that's, that's kind of where I'm looking at it. And, you know, it was, as much as we talk about January, it's still two weeks away until that window officially opens, uh, a little over two weeks, actually. 
Um, so we still have to get through this Christmas period. We have to get through Boxing Day, and we have to find a way to get back on track. And that starts this Saturday against Norwich. And so looking at that game right now, it's time for our preview of that game. We'll start with your starting 11. Who do you have as the starting 11 for um, what is now turning out to be a very massive match for West Ham United at the London Stadium this Saturday? So my my guess is going to be that uh, Cresswell is not fit for this match. So that that's I'm going under that as the suspicion. And even if he is, I probably don't start him. Right, because I want to give him limited minutes to try to like ease him back in. And this is the match where, not that we don't need Cresswell, we definitely need Cresswell, but it, we're going to be less reliant on him in order to be successful, at least in my opinion. So you still start Fabianski in goal. I think he had an amazing match against Arsenal. Uh, stopping that penalty kick was huge in trying to keep our confidence, especially after getting so false sent off. Uh, it was huge for our confidence to try to push. And then you saw us absolutely throw numbers into the, the attacking third to try to find that equalizer. So I owe that to Fabianski, so I definitely still keep him in goal. Um, I actually thought that Ashby had a good outing at right back, and because we don't have Ben Johnson, so Fall is obviously out for this match. I, I give the kid a shout. I give him another, another look. Why not let him prove him? He only got the last 10 minutes, right? Five minutes of regulation, five minutes of, of uh, added time. Let him have majority of a match. Why not? Let's let's give the kids some minutes, see what the potential is there, because we need to know if these academy products are going to be able to step up and take these pot, spots as guys start to age out or we have to sell them to, to try to bring additional funds. Um, I've got Dawson and Diop as your center backs because I'm guessing Cresswell still not fit. Masawaku on the uh, on the left-hand side. Suchek and Rice. And then, as I said before, I don't change that top four. I keep it Bowen, Lanzini, Fornals, and Antonio up top because as I said, I think you need Antonio to score the goal. Now, if we do not see the um, the the pressure and the the aggressive play out of those guys, I start pulling people at halftime. I don't even give them 60 minutes, 70 minutes to try to get going. I say, you've got 45 minutes to prove to me that you need to be on this pitch. At 45, if you don't, then I start bringing on guys like Vlasic. I bring in Sonny Perkins. And I throw him up top and I start sending a message to Mikel Antonio that, hey, you're not good enough anymore. And I need you to be better because I think that's the only way that you're going to show these players that you mean business. You start taking their minutes away. But I'm interested to see what you say, Tex. I, I, I'm going a lot different here. Um, I think there's going to be a formation change. I think he's going to go to three in the back and I think he's going to bring in the young kid, Baptiste. Um, and I think Dawson will play centrally with Diop on one side, Baptiste on the other. And the reason I believe that is because I think when you watch the film on this game, you have to do something because Dawson will not stay back. He is too aggressive going forward. He takes too many chances. And I think you're going to need that third center back in there. And I think Baptiste had a really good showing in that Europa match. I like what he did. Um, and then I think there's another young Academy product, um, who's going to get on the field, um, and I think it's going to be Ashby, but he'll be in a wingback role. And I think the other side will be Sufal, and I think they'll play Ashby on his non-natural side, which scares me. Or not so, Sufal because he'll be out. Oh, yeah, my bad, not Sufal. But, I mean, you're going to have Ashby in a wingback position, Masuwaku in a wingback position, so they condense to five, which helps out Masuwaku because his the amount of space that he has to cover in the defensive Part is not, and he'll have another defender over there in case he does get beat, 
with a central defender. So I think there are going to go three at the back because I think they have to stop the bleeding. And I think we're very fortunate to lose the game to Arsenal 2-0. And um, that's just the reality. Now, Dawson made some great blocks, and so did Diop. But they have to do that way too often. Yeah. And that's because... Um, I think we need to get back to what we're dangerous at, which is packing out the midfield. So I agree with the double pivot sitting in front. It's going to be Suchek and it's going to be Rice. Um, I think Suchek's having a struggling of a season this right now because last year Suchek had the green light to go forward, whereas Declan Rice did not. And now I think Declan has the green light to go forward where Suchek needs to stay back. So um, the attacking four, I as much as I hate to say it, I drop Lanzini. Um, I have Mikel Antonio up front, Fornals in behind him. I think Fornals is most dangerous when he's playing in the middle. Out on the left, I have Ben Rama. Out on the right, I have Bowen, and I think we're going to get back to basics. Yeah. And I think um, going three at the back, you know, allows those two guys with the young legs of Ashby. I think he'll have no problem getting up and down. We all know Masawaku can get up and down. It's just will he do it or not. Yeah. Um, so I like that lineup, and I like the two young kids in there because – one, it helps us kind of see what we have. And two, I think that that is a change needed for West Ham United to send a message to the team because you tell your attackers, hey, we're getting back to basics, but you tell your defense, no, you better step up your game or you're not playing because that's where I think the issues lie. Um, so that's my starting 11. So now let me get your uh, match prediction. Give me your score line and your man of the match. So I think we I think we do dominate this game. Uh, I'm looking at a three nil. Um, I don't think we concede. I think these guys uh, hold Norwich at bay. Uh, I'm gonna actually go with uh, Antonio breaks the uh, the deadlock. I'm gonna go with Dawson on a uh, on a set piece, and then um, let's give it to Fornals. I feel like Fornals is due a goal at this point, and I feel like these are the type of matches where he'll find a way to just absolutely pepper that back line. What about you, man? I think Fornals gets a brace. Nice. Um, I think he's going to score two goals. I think we win this game 4-0. Nice. Um, I have I have Fornals getting the brace. Antonio does get off the schneid, and I think the last goal, the fourth one, will come from Suchek off a set piece. He's gotten his head to too many balls lately, and one of them's bound to go in. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that he gets off the schneid. That's how I see this game going. I think we dominate. I think we honestly may see a 70-30 possession thing in our favor, which is not normally how we like to play, no. but I think we have to learn how to play a different way. And I think this is the perfect match to figure out what we are. Yes. I'm going with a big score line for nil West Ham United. Um, who's your man of the match? Uh, man of the match for me is going to be uh, Declan Rice. I think that he'll just completely dominate that midfield, shut down any, any sort of attack that, that Norwich tries to play and his distribution on the ball will be absolutely key. And I, I'll guarantee you that he will have a really good shot on goal that either just misses by going off the bar or is tipped over? Well, easy. Man of the match is the man who scores the brace. It's going to be Pavel Fornals. <laughs> and I think Pavel Fornals is going to be massive in this game. Um, he showed flashes of what he's been today. Um, but there's a grit in that guy. And I think that he is going to be the guy that's going to be the catalyst to get this team going because he will run his socks off. He will put in a shift every time. And I think that we're going to see Pablo Fornals do what Pablo Fornals does. Um, it's not going to be pretty. It never is. No. Um, the goal, I bet, I bet money the goals he scored might be because he's in the right place at the right time or it might come off his ear and find <laughs> its way into the net. Um, but I, I just think that he is 
you know, Mikhail Antonio may be the engine, but Pablo Fornals is the gasoline. Yeah. You know, you got to have that guy out there doing what he does. And I've been the biggest critic of him, but he has made me a fan. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal this year. And I think he's going to get us back on track. And I, I do believe he'll be the spark. Um, so he is my man of the match. Now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Liam, here on the Bearded Bastards. It's time for our yellow and red card. Hit me with your yellow. Fucking VAR, man. Like, I don't even know why we have it. Like, the, the point of it was supposed to be to help get the decisions right. And yet they catastrophically do not get the decisions right. I'm just, I'm sick of it. I, I don't want to go ad nauseum about this because it's just, it's a system that doesn't work. It needs to be overhauled. And the system itself is only as good as the people that are on there. And they're fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, for you, what about your yellow? Look, my yellow goes to Craig Dawson, man. <laughs> like I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this, like, look, you're going to cost us big at some point and you better figure it out. You're a premier league defender. We love you. Everybody that wears Claret and blue loves Craig Dawson. The, the announcers even said it today on the match. Oh, it's a typical Dawson challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, you have a reputation and we love that you have a reputation because that's what you're a West Ham guy. Yeah. He's a bastard. We love yeah. him. Yeah. He would be great on the bearded bastards if he'd grow a fucking beard. Yeah. But the reality is the guy has to understand that you have to remember you're part of a team. I think too many times watching him play, he just doesn't think. And, you know, he's he's a reactionary person, yeah. you know. Um, you know, he's like, me, see ball, hit. You know, and <laughs> I, I just want to see this guy not have that caveman mentality and play within the team. Do your job, don't do more. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason that you do your job because somebody else is supposed to pick up that slack. So do what you're supposed to do. So that, that's where my yellow card goes. Hit me with your red. Uh, the red goes to the Premier League. Uh, I, I am starting to feel after this past week that we've seen so many penalties gifted. I mean, two at Chelsea, just absolutely gifted to try to allow these guys to get those three points, not even just to get a draw, but to be able to get the full three points so that they can build out that top of the table. Cause let's be honest, they have not wanted us up in that top four. It has infuriated all the pundits that when talking about the top of the table, they've had to mention West Ham United. So I'm, I'm just, I'm giving them a red card. The premier league can absolutely kiss the fattest part of my ass. Uh, my red card goes to fucking VAR. How do you not <laughs> give VAR the red? So you know what? Here, we'll pull it so they can't review it. I'll give them a second yellow. Nice. So now it's a red card. Now they can't review it. They're out for the next match. Yeah. God, like the, the VAR decision today on, uh, look, I know what Moyes said, and Moyes is going to play that card, and that's fine. That was not a penalty. No. In any way, shape, or form. He got the ball first. He didn't go through the player to get it. It was not a pin. Now, look, the gods played in our side and we saved the goal. Okay. But the reality to get a player sent off in that situation when he got the ball first, he did everything that you're taught to do. Okay. And you give him a second yellow. That referee. I hope his wife is having an emotional affair with him <laughs> through email, and I hope he finds a love letter. Yeah. God, that's so wrong, but I do mean it. Yeah, I, hope I do I mean it because I am a bearded bastard, and I'm sick and tired. And then VAR, that's your moment to write that situation, and you don't do it? Yep. Oh, that is 100% my red card. 
Um, God, I should have given him this, the yellow. should have been a double yellow. We yeah. should have talked about this we, beforehand. You, you'd think God we had damn. a pre-show pre, pre uh, show meeting. God but dang, no. wait, we're so horrible here on the Bearded Bastards <laughs> radio show. I, it's just, oh, my God. Uh, that was just so infuriating. Um, but, you know, yet again, the Bearded Bastards, um, we just completed our second episode under our new name. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I tried it on. It feels nice. It does feel nice. It's silky smooth. Well, a lot I, of space for the balls. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, just so you know, everybody, he pointed to his nutsack at that moment, and my eyes went there, and now yeah, I feel did. strangely weird about myself. He, he can't not look. It's God great. Dang. Oh, man. Well, uh, as always, um, we enjoyed doing this uh, podcast here on the Bearded Bastards. Um, feel free to get involved with the show in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Liam, you talked about changing the Twitter handle. Have you done that? No, I have not changed the Twitter handle, so you can still find us at A-H-R-W-H-U for the time being. But I did want to give... Um, I did want to give people notice that I'm sure most of you have already seen this, but uh, there was news about Isla Caton uh, that her uh, cancer has come back far more aggressive and that they're worried that Nicola, her mother, actually said they're worried that she may not even make it till Christmas. So uh, they are doing a Just Giving page. Now, remember, this is not the original Just Giving page, which was trying to get her um, treatments here in the United States for her neuroblastoma. This is specifically for raising money to try to make special memories for her for um, prior to Christmas before, um, hopefully, I mean, knock on wood, hopefully she doesn't pass. And she's, I mean, she's a fighter. She's a warrior. Um, I think, she, you know, if anybody can pu push through it, it's definitely Isla. But um, if the news does become the worst case scenario, uh, they do want to be able to try to give her uh, just the, the best send off possible. So if you can donate, Please go to Just Giving, search for Isla Caton, and you can you can find that page. If you can't donate, at least like retweet it or share it or try to put it in front of people uh, uh, that can. But a huge shout out to to uh, so many of the people on Twitter, like Roger J, um, who who consistently uh, Baz as well, who consistently put up items for sale for auction, and all of the proceeds go to. Uh, Isla and her family to, to try to help her. So huge shout out to the community. Uh, the West Ham fandom has been absolutely massive in this regard. Uh, so give what you can. I know it's the holiday season and sometimes we're stretched uh, kind of thin. So like I said, if you can't, uh, at least pass it along to somebody who might be able to. You know, heart's got to go out for that little girl um, and all the shit that she's been through. I mean, I think I can say this here on the Bearded Bastards. Uh, are we calling it the Bearded Bastards Radio or Podcast? I, I just like Bearded Bastards. I mean, yeah, if they want to do sh it. radio, show, or podcast, it makes yeah, no difference to me. You know what? You, the fans, all nine of you, you decide what the <laughs> fuck it's going to be. Uh, you know, it's. I, I can say this on behalf of Liam because I know he feels the same way, but man, fuck cancer. Yeah. Like, yeah. like in all honesty, this little girl... You know, she's lived, a, it's going to be a relatively short life because it's not looking good. No. You know, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but the reality is this is an ugly situation that this little girl's facing. And th think about the parent to have to put that out there, to ask, to give, to create memories because your bank accounts have been decimated just on trying to save this girl's life so she can take another breath. Yeah. So even if you're not able to donate, just make sure that you keep this little girl in your thoughts and prayers this holiday season, because if this is her last Christmas, which we're all praying that it's not, you know, but if this is her last Christmas, I hope she goes out with a smile. I hope she goes out knowing that there was a whole community of people uh, long and deep that love that little girl. Um, and, you know, here in Fresno, California, we couldn't be further away from her, 
but we think about her all the time. She's been in conversations we've had here with the Fresno Irons. Um, and if there was more we could do, I'm sure we would. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's tough. She's the same age as my son. And so like, I just think about how that, how I would feel and like how I would try to deal with that. And it's, it's, it's difficult to wrap your, 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 your head around. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I mean, that's, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish that on fucking uh, uh, Lacazette at this point, you know, like that's just, it's, it's such a shit thing to deal with, but you know. Well, let's raise our, uh, let's raise our whiskey glasses one more time. This one's for Isla. Um, you know, if you can just giving, um, Obviously, if you want to get involved in the show in any way, shape, or form, if you ever want to even come on with us, because let's be honest, everybody's sick and tired of hearing my punk ass. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you can you can obviously join us and Liam if you have questions, send in. Um, make sure you, uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, at A-H-R-W-H-U on Twitter. You can also hit up um, the American Hammers Network on Facebook. We are part of the American Hammers Radio. Um, but also always thank you to Tim and Lee for providing this platform for us, for the opportunity to share our West Ham fandom. Um, we are the West coast podcast, if yeah. you will. Um, hopefully we get more involved with you guys. Um, um, as now I think that we'll be there. A lot of things have changed. We're going to be a lot more consistent. Now we have a better name. We feel better. You look better. Yep. I tend to sound better now. You smell better, which that was, I mean, that was leaps and bounds above last season. <laughs> <laughs> it was COVID. Okay. There wasn't a lot of reason to do much of anything. Yeah. Right. I wasn't showering last year. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, it's, it, it's been a lot of fun and uh, we wish you all safe travels. And if you, um, you happen to find yourself in uh, Fresno, California this Saturday and it you look down at the clock and it's 6 52 AM Get your punk ass down to Full Circle Brewing Company to watch at the private event for the Ooh. Fresno Irons, um, who will be hosting and watching the match against Norwich right there. Um, and if you do come down, your first beer is always on us. So uh, for Liam, this is text. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.